Now let's pray. Father, we do thank you uh, for this evening, and we look forward to what you would speak to our hearts about, Lord, as we open your word. Do draw us closer to you, Father, that um, we want to hear exactly what it is you speak to our hearts about, Lord, and you have something to say to us, Jesus, and I pray that that something would come through you and not from me, Lord, from your heart, Lord, not my heart, but your heart, Jesus. So draw us, draw us into you this evening, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit. We want to give this evening over to you when we ask and pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. Okay, I will be in uh, the second epistle of uh, of the second epistle of Timothy. Uh, it's been a crazy day. Ah, okay, it's the New King James Version. Second Timothy. We'll go through chapter one tonight, hopefully. I was on my way here. Doug asked me to Monday if I would teach. He's got to prepare for the men's camp teaching, so that's why he's not here this evening. So anyway, <clears throat> I was on my way here, and um, today is um, my son-in-law's birthday, and he stopped by the house about 6.30. We had a, a card and a present for him. So we're talking and talking, and I'm thinking, okay, <laughs> hurry up and go, <laughs> you know. So then I, I got started late, and then as I was, I'm coming here, I got stuck by a train right there. And it's 7 o'clock, and I'm stuck by the train. I'm going, okay, what am I going to do? I don't know. And, you know, these trains, they go back and forth, back and forth, dropping cars off, picking cars up. I don't know what they do. They just frustrate me. I know that. So I was going to text uh, Alan and say, Alan, you might have to teach tonight. I'm not going to be there. <laughs> but the, uh, the train, and so Doug, Doug uh, texts me and goes, hey, Mac, are you okay? Uh, Eric called said you're not there. And so, <laughs> I go, oh, yeah, I got stuck by a train. And he goes, oh, that's, that's a glory train. Uh, yeah, right. It's, so that's why I'm a little bit late. Uh, so it's good to be here. Um, Second Timothy, as you know, it's one of the pastoral epistles written by Paul. Uh, it's, it's, you know, the amazing thing about this is it's his, it's his last words. It's his last letter that he ever writes. He's awaiting execution in a Roman prison. And, uh, you know, in, as you read through this letter, you don't sense a, uh, any kind of sense of uh, discouragement or, or bitterness in Paul's heart at all, not at all. In fact, he's writing to Timothy to explain some things and encourage him. Um, the pastoral epistles, as you know, are First and Second Timothy and Titus. And in those, really, Paul writes to encourage or to, to really lay out some things for Timothy and Titus as pastors of a church, uh, the characteristics to look for, the qualities of a, a church minister, an elder, etc. Um, some of the things to be aware of. And yet, as he goes through 2 Timothy, he really begins to write about, hey, Timothy, you know what? <clears throat> You're going to encounter some uh, sufferings. You're going to encounter persecution. And he encourages him and tells him to prepare for those things. Um, he tells him that, you know, you go through Second uh, Timothy in chapter 3, you look at all the apostasy. He says, beware, there's coming, there's, there's coming apostasy. And you can read through that first part of uh, chapter 3 and look at that list of things. It's just amazing how we can compare that to what's going on in our world today, in this culture that we're in today. Um, so there's the encouragement. Um, he, Paul, another thing he writes to Timothy about is Timothy was, oh, let's talk about Timothy and let's talk about Paul before we get into this a little bit. We know, you know, we know about Paul. Most, I'm sure all of you know about Paul, the Apostle Paul, the life that he led and, um, you know, how he started out his life. Um, and, you know, even in, even you go to Galatians, he says, before, you know, in my mother's womb, the Lord called me out. He, he knew, you know, and he was, of course, the. Uh, you know, the, the Pharisee early on in his life, but, you know, he's, he got to see the resurrected Christ, you know, as he was on that road to Damascus, and God changed his heart, changed his life. Um, so Paul, Paul's life was all about serving God and, and expound, expounding on the gospel, the good news, and getting it out there. No matter what type of encounters he had, it didn't discourage him. It didn't deter him. That was that was his mindset from, you know, from day one. I mean, he was he was just serving the Lord, and really that's what he wanted to do. And, you know, we, we know that he was in, imprisoned um, in Rome. Uh, the first, he had his first imprisonment. That was a house arrest. That really wasn't anything that he's encountered right now. Uh, right now, what we're seeing is this is the time of, there, there was the persecutions that were going on um, for Nero. Nero, the emperor of Rome at that time, began to persecute Christians uh, on just un, un, ungodly ways. And uh, Paul was a part of that. So... Um, this, this epistle was written about 66, 67. It was written about two or three years after 1 Timothy. And 
Paul was arrested in Troas, and Timothy was there at Troas as well, and they separate there. Paul's taken off back to Rome, and this is his second imprisonment, and his second imprisonment is anything like the first imprisonment. He, he's, in, he's not under house arrest. He's in a cold, dark, dank dungeon, and uh, you know he's awaiting execution. He knows that, and he writes uh, later on, well, in chapter 4, he says, uh, the, the time of my departure is soon at hand. He knew that, and he's, he's um, asking for Timothy to bring things to him. He wants to see Timothy once again. Now, Timothy, what do we know about him? You know, his, as we'll read here in the first chapter, we know his, he was certainly being mentored by Paul. Paul saw something, Paul saw something in this young man that he said, there's, there's something in you that I need to take you under my wing. And he was being, he was being built up to, to replace, not replace, he was built, built up to take the baton. To, to carry the torch of Christianity uh, once Paul had passed away. And so it's a transition time for Timothy right now. He's, you know, he, he's been like, I'm going to say in the background, but he's been there and um, he's part of what Paul's training and teaching is. And, and now he knows, you know what, Paul's, Paul's going to die. And, and, and now it's going to be up to me to go forward and, and to spread this gospel and, and to teach men about this. That's another thing Paul wrote to him. God. He says, you must learn to, you must teach other men in the congregations about the gospel and show them that there must be a training in, 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 this, in, in the gospel in the church. So <clears throat> Timothy knows his time is coming to really be the, I guess, the spokesperson or the, 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 the spearhead for their Christian movement. And it's not a good time, guys. Remember in 64 AD, I think that's when it was 64 AD, where Nero had burned Rome and he blamed it all on the Christians. And the persecution really intensified. So, you know, this is a couple years later. So Christians are getting persecuted uh, horrendously, um, tragically, and Paul's right in the middle of this, and, and the transitioning is happening. Paul's going to die. Excuse me, I did. Timothy is right in the middle of this. Paul's going to die, and Timothy is now going to be the spokesperson. And I'm sure there must be a lot of weight on, on Timothy's heart and mind at this time. And we, sit, we sense that somewhat, I think, uh, as you go through First Timothy a little bit. But um, I think Paul, he knows this as well. And Paul was ready to, to go be with Jesus. And he, he knew that uh, that was going to happen soon. Uh, but he also wanted, I think there was some, um, some sadness or a little bit of, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm having to leave, uh, leave Timothy. And, and what, I've, what God has used me for to bring uh, the Christian gospel, the gospel of Christ into the world, into the region he was at. So I, I do think there was somewhat of a sadness, I wouldn't say, but I, I think there was certainly a lot more uh, great expectations on Paul's part to know that, you know, this race has been run. It's now time for me to go home and be with the Lord. And, you know, guys, we all face that one day. It may be sooner for some of us, we don't know. But what, what the joy is, is that as born-again Christians, we know what awaits us. So Paul is, is ready to go. Uh, and now Timothy has taken a responsibility as Paul's soon departure. And now will be upon Timothy to be really, like I said, the spearhead of that. Now Timothy had a, his mother, and mother was Eunice, his grandmother was Lois. And, you know, they trained him up in, in the Christian way. Uh, they were Jews. But they must have been, Paul uh, went through Lystra, that's where Timothy's from, on his first missionary journey. And he sees this young lad, Timothy. And so Timothy joins him on a second and third missionary journey. So, um, so I, I want to try to capture this, but I wanna, there's some things I want to say about the mom and grandma here too. But I want to say when I get into the word. So. Alrighty then. Okay, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 1. I'll read through the first three verses here. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, a beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day. Okay, so we, you know, I don't want to 
kind of bore you with me? No, it, this is a very familiar opening for Paul. It always identifies himself as an apostle of Jesus Christ. And it's by the will of God. And the reason he writes by the will of God, because he, it wasn't by the will of man. He wants people to know it was, it was God. It was God who called me to this role. Notice what he says, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. What was the promise of life? The promise of eternal life. God has given us, you know, God has given us the promise of eternal life. We have this promise of eternal life, which is in Christ Jesus. So the first thing I started thinking about is Paul as an apostle. This was a role that was given to him by the will of God. <clears throat> now, bring that down to us. And we have to individualize this, really. Think about it. What is the role that God has given you? God has given you a role as a parent or grandparent, a neighbor, husband, wife, uh, whatever it is. God has given us a role to bring forth what? The gospel message, really. We're not apostles. We're not all pastors or preachers or teachers. Uh, but we have a role. God has designated us and given us a role. And that's so important for us to identify and, and to follow and to seek what God has given us. And... You know, I, I think about Paul. I mean, this this guy, he was he was on fire. He was enthusiastic about the role that he was given, even though it was lots of suffering and persecution. And then I think about myself. What is the role that God has given me? Well, the only role I know is I've been associated with Calvary Chapel for many, many years, and it's been wonderful to be here. But I, I know God has called me to the jail ministry, and I love doing that jail ministry, and I hope to get back to that soon. But I don't know what, you know, I'm a father. I'm a grandfather. And what's, uh, you know, I, I'm a neighbor. I'm a brother. I'm a... Well, there's a lot of names that I won't go through. So, but there's a role that God has given us, and I need to think about that role and and fulfill it to what God has called me to do. And I, I think when, when I think of this this idea of, you know, it's the will of God. God has a will for our lives, and and how. I I don't know. I'm just speaking to you. Sometimes I, I think if you're like me, sometimes I fight the will of God in my. But God is patient. God is merciful. And thank God for that. So now the next thing, one of the underlining things that I think as I go through chapter one, I think is it has to do with the family, not just our family, but I think it has to do with the church family. Now, let me, let me what I mean by that, look at verse two. To Timothy, a beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so he says, Timothy, a beloved son. We know that Timothy was not his biological son. What is he? He's a, he's a beloved son. He had brought, he had, he had, he had taken Timothy from a, 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 young, a young man and, and has brought him along to teach him the, the things of Christ, to teach him the gospel. But he, but he says he calls him a beloved son. This, this, you know, guys, many of you have been in this church for many, many years. We're a family. And I love that. I love my own family very, very much. We all know what it is to love our biological family. You know, that's what you said. It's my dad used to say, well, blood runs thicker than, blood is thicker than water. So your own family, you know, your own offspring, how, how crucial it is that we, we love them. And sometimes that don't always work out, right? But we in the church, our spiritual family, this is part of what Paul's saying. We, we need to, we, we, we're beloved. We need to get along with one another. And God has given us instructions how to get, get along with one another. So oftentimes, I don't know how you guys feel about it, oftentimes, I'm, I'm a lot closer to my spiritual family than I am my biological family. And I think that's a good thing. It's not any, any dispersion upon my biological family. It's just I, <clears throat> I, uh, I love being around my brothers and sisters. So I think, there's, I think there's a lot of encouragement as we gather together. Now, one of the things that, that I think this has, in fact, this does have to do with pastoral epistles. If you look at verse 2, it also says grace, mercy, and peace. And we know that's a common expression of Paul's. When he introduces his letters, he's always saying grace and peace to you. But the word that he uses here differently than the pastoral epistles is mercy. You'll only find grace, mercy, and peace in the pastoral epistles. He adds the word mercy in the pastoral epistles. And then why is that? I don't know. <laughs> I'm asking you. You got an answer? I don't know. But think about that. Mercy is it because, you know, think about what Timothy's going through. I mean, I, I sometimes I sense maybe it's because Paul thought that pastors, ministers needed a lot more great or a lot more mercy than the average John Doe. Maybe there's because of the, 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 the things that they're under, the, the, the scrutiny by all the other 
members of the family, you know, um, maybe there's a lot more mercy. Maybe that's what Paul is thinking. I'm not real sure. But it, it is interesting that he says grace, mercy, and peace only in Timothy, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. Interesting fact. He goes on in 3. He says, I think there's another thing about this. I thank God. We know that this is always his heart, the thanking God, whom I serve with a pure conscience. What it is? What is it to serve with a pure? He was serving, but what is it to serve with a pure conscience? Sometimes I think we can we can serve with a guilty conscience. Sometimes I think we can we can uh, get sidetracked and, and and begin to do things uh, on our own rather than the things of God. And that's not a pure conscience. Paul was serving from a pure conscience. What it, what it is it's so neat that, to think about this? How he desired to do what God wanted him to do, and he wanted to do through the utmost of his ability and a pure conscience. And as he says, I thank God. What does he thank God for? And he's thanking God for Timothy here. He says, the pure conscience as my forefathers did. Notice that, who are his forefathers? His forefathers would have been the ancient Israelites, the Old Testament, people from the Old Testament. He says, and without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day. And then the whole idea about prayers, right? We the prayers, how important are prayers in our life? We should have a prayer time and, and you know, we should have a corporate prayer time. But remember what he's saying. He's telling Timothy, he says, you're my beloved son. I thank you that you're my, I thank God that you're my beloved son. And I'm praying for you day and night. That's a wonderful thing for us as Christian family. That we be thankful for one another and we should be praying for one another day and night. That's, that's an encouragement, guy. That's a real encouragement. And how because when we're doing that out of the honest and sincerity of our heart, but well, that's the pure conscience before God. So I like what he has to say there. That's kind of the intro there. Now getting on to verse four, he says, greatly desire to see you be, being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy. Um, <clears throat> there was this, when he talks about tears, he's talking about Timothy's tears here. Uh, the last time that they saw one another, probably there was the, you know, the, the separation that happened. I'm thinking, and most scholars seem to think that that happened when Paul was arrested, taken to Rome, the second imprisonment. It was at Troas, and there would have been that separation. There would have been, maybe there was that time that, you know, they came to arrest him, and Timothy's with him, and he sees how they're going to carry him off, and there was tears. And I think it's important for us to know there's nothing wrong with crying. There's nothing wrong with shedding tears. I think, uh, you know, for... For men, anyway, and you know, you grow up with this this thing. I mean, you know, I'm I'm not as young as you guys, but um, I remember growing up. You know, it's like men don't cry. Oh, you gotta, you don't cry. Be tough. You don't gotta cry. No, I, I think there's a great value in, in shedding tears. There's great value in us showing our emotions, and I think it's under the right circumstances. Not just blabbering about anything, but there's time of there's times of hurt, there's times of pain, there's times that we should, you know, the, the, the scripture tells us rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Um, that's part of our, this, that's part of the makeup that God has given us. That I, he's telling Timothy, don't be afraid of your tears. There's nothing to be ashamed about your tears. And what's he saying that I, I'm desiring to see you being filled with, that I may be filled with joy when I see you again, Timothy. And he's hoping that Timothy's going to make it to Rome before he's executed. Now, we don't know if Timothy made there or not. So he's hoping to see Timothy once again and to be filled with joy. You know, what, what is it like to be filled with joy? We know what it's like to be filled with joy. And, and, you know, there's, there's certain things that just really grab a hold of us and we rejoice and we just are excited about it, you know. But be filled with joy that I'm going to see another brother and sister. This is the thing that I think about this family, the spiritual family. I'm going to be filled with joy when I see you again, Timothy. Guys, next week, I'll be in West Virginia flying out next Wednesday. I'll be gone a month. But I'll be filled with joy when I come back and I see your faces. I hope you're filled with joy when you see my face. <laughs> <laughs> but do you understand? I mean, you're, you're gone for a while. I'll be filled with joy to see my wife, too. <laughs> Make it down on the record. So, you know, it, to be filled with joy, the separation that we have, the spiritual family that we have, the separation, boy, it's, it's great to get back together again. You know, over in uh, 2 Timothy, I mean, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, he talks about, I'll read it to anyone this quote, he says, he says, uh, flee also um, youthful lust, 
but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord with a pure heart. With those who call on the Lord with a pure heart. That's us, guys. That's, that's, part of our, that's part of our spiritual family. It's great to be around people who are seeking God and, and seeking to love one another. That's, that's, a, that's, that's joy. That's being filled with joy right there. So now speaking about his grandmother and his mom here in verse 5, Timothy's his grandmother and, and mother. Uh, he says, um, verse 5, Paul writes, says, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. That word persuaded means I'm confident that it's in you also. So another thing about this family thing, well, this is this is biological. This is He's talking about, Paul's talking about, I met your grandmother, you know, Eunice. I knew your mother, uh, 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 your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And they... They brought you up, Timothy, they brought you up in the knowledge of God. They brought you up in the knowledge of the Lord, the gospel message. They had heard the gospel message from Paul. How crucial, how important that is for us as family, right? How important, you know, I, I, I praise God when I see families here, they're bringing their children. This is a wonderful thing. And we've seen many children come through this church and, and go on. And uh, do great, wonderful things, I believe. So it's, it's wonderful. You know, that's, a, that's another idea uh, of us um, as that's another role I should say that as Paul is talking about his role as apostle our role as a parent what should we be doing we should bring up our children in the ways of the Lord and as we do that what we've done our part and whatever they're going to do with it after they leave the home that's in God's hands we've done our part but we see what this this resulted in and think about this grandmother Lois mother Eunice Timothy. That's three generations right there. Three generations that have been impacted. The Paul spoke the gospel. They brought him up in this gospel. They dwelt, they says there it dwelt in dwelt first in your grandmother. So grandma Lois was the one that, you know, here's a funny thing. Um, not a funny thing, but it's it's, it's interesting. I had a um, an aunt. She's gone on to be with the Lord. Her name was Lois. It was my dad's sister. And um, she was uh, in love with Jesus. She was always in love with Jesus ever, ever since I first remembered being a young boy. And when we used to go visit, um, she had six kids. We used to go visit our cousins. Lois would always make us go to church. And I never wanted to go spend the night up on the hill because they lived on the hill because we always had to go to church Sunday morning with Aunt Lois. And I think about that now. Man, was I so, I, I, I can't wait to get to heaven and talk to her about because you know i had to go to church i was being exposed to jesus and uh the interesting thing about this her son his name is john my cousin john he named his son timothy so when i, when I read this thing <laughs> i got grandma lois and they got timothy it's like it's a sweet thing i can't wait to see aunt lois that she was she was on fire for the lord and she never she never drifted away by golly she never drifted away but it's it such an encouragement to me now that I, I, you know, I, I wish I would have uh, been walking with the Lord like I am now back then to be able to share and talk with her. But uh, that's to be when I get to go to heaven. My departure is soon at hand. Yes. Amen. So here's a great idea, right? And something else about this is even though we don't have family members, I don't, and I think I'm sure some of you don't, we don't have family members who are saved. We have some family members that just don't want to hear about Jesus, don't want to any part of the gospel, we should continue to be a faithful witness for Christ when we're around them. And I'm not talking about preaching to them, but we should we should continue to represent Christ. This is this is this is like witnessing to our biological family. We should be witnessing to our biological family. It's what God has called us to do. And in that, think about that. In that witnessing, you know, Paul talks about suffering and persecution. I think that can happen with our immediate family, our biological family. Sometimes there's persecution that happens with that. Don't want to hear. Don't talk to me about that. I don't want to hear that now. Okay. So anyway, the point being here that Paul mentions <laughs> mentions Lois, uh, Grandma Lois, and his mother Eunice, and how they had brought Timothy up. And, and Paul recognized this as, as as he saw Timothy as a young man and encouraged him to come along with him on the missionary journeys. Now. Here's, here's the encouragement Paul is speaking about in verse 6. It says, Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Paul laid hands on Timothy and some of the other elders as well, too. 
they recognize there was, I think there was a special gift in this child. Um, but he says, I remind you to stir up the gift. Stir up the gift. What is the gift? The gift here, he says, first of all, this word stir up is, is like, it's, it's the same analogy of stirring up a, uh, a fire, to, to flame a fire, to stir it up. That's what that really means in the Greek, is stir up, to get the flame, the fire going, and maybe, maybe the embers are going out to stir it up. So Paul is telling him, you know, Timothy, maybe maybe there's a little bit of, because one of the things that Paul is talking to Timothy about is, um, you know, you're going to have to be a little bit more bolder because you're going to have confrontations that are going to happen. It already happened and in Ephesus when he was in Ephesus. There's there's a confrontation. There's people that were beginning to, Judaizers were coming in and beginning to distort the word of God. So there's confrontation. Paul, I think, is trying to encourage Timothy. You know, Timothy, you're doing really good loving the flock, but you know what? There may be a little bit, you're going to need a little bit more boldness and to you need to protect the flock, protect the flock, from the heresies that are going to be coming into the church. So Paul reminded him to stir up the gift of God, which is laying on the laying on that was in him through the laying on of his hands, Paul's hands. And here's the reason why. Here's the reason why Paul says that I remind you to stir up the gift. The reason why is in verse 7. The verse 7 says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. That's a great verse to remember, guys. I love that verse. For God has not given us a spirit of fear but a power and a love and a sound mind that's the why that's why he's encouraging he says when you when when you're going to you're going to have to deal with confrontation you're going to have to deal with the persecution you've got to deal with suffering do it through the power of god notice what does that verse tell us god is not this god gave us something and god has not given us something god has not given us a spirit of fear so any fear that we have it doesn't come from god it comes from our own flesh but what, he, what has he given us? He has given us what? The power and the spirit of power and of love and of sound mind. Of power, that's the Holy Spirit that lives in us. That's the Holy Spirit that lives, resides in us. And any time that we are sensing fearful to be, uh, fearful of uh, circumstances that have to do with Jesus, I mean, the, the sharing of Jesus Christ, that, that fear doesn't come from God. He's given a spirit. You know, it's just, I remember, the, I think it's a gospel um, Jesus speaks about, you know, just open open up your mouth. The words the words are going to come to you. Just open your mouth. And um, I think sometimes, and I speak for myself, most of the time there's, there's a hesitancy to do that. And I have to remember, God has given me a spirit of fear. God has not given me that spirit. He has given me power, a spirit of power and love and of a sound mind. So there's, the power is the Holy Spirit, power that we all have. Love, what's the, the key to love? Remember Jesus said the Ten Commandments, like you, can, you can nail them down to two. Love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. So what are we to love? We're to love God and we're to love others. And we do that in the power of the Holy Spirit. When we do it in the power of the Holy Spirit, it can be done. And what has he given us? He's given us a sound mind. What does that mean? A disciplined mind. He's given us that. But do we always uh, follow that? Do we always rely upon a sound mind? Emotions and like that are funny, huh? I mean, sometimes, sometimes I think I can be very wise, um, but most of the time I think I'm really dumb because I don't practice the disciplined mind. Sometimes it's it's it's. Uh, let me just think off the top of my head and go for it. No, you need to be disciplined. Discipline. How do we become disciplined? Well, I need to rely upon God. I need to spend time with God. So a couple of things there. You know, in Proverbs 29, 25, he says that the fear of man brings a snare, but uh, those who put their trust in the Lord shall be safe. When I think about these other verses that I used to remember, like Psalm 118, verse 6, you know, um, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? In Psalm 27, 1, there's like, what? Um, yet it comes to me. The Lord is the Lord is my the Lord is my salvation. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Things like that I need to remember when when I'm encountering any type of opposition or when I'm encountering any type of witnessing or when I'm encouraged uh, to just to go spend time with the Lord and to go share with the Lord, man, because God wants me to share, you know. And this is a role that God has given all of us. He wants us to share his love. He wants us to share the gospel message. And Paul's talking about, this is what Paul's talking about here, Timothy. You know, be prepared. Share the gospel of love and don't be afraid. God is giving you the spirit. 
Now, it goes on in verse 8. He says, therefore, we've got another therefore. He says, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings of the gospel according to the power of God. So we see this idea of suffering here as part of the gospel message. We're going to suffer. He's telling Timothy he's going to suffer. But first of all, he says, don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord. What is the testimony of the Lord? Well, for this situation, I think of Paul. Paul was, Paul was in prison here. Um, and in fact, he goes on, he says, in, go to chapter 4, Paul says, everybody's left me. I'm in prison alone. Everybody's left me. The only one who's with me is Luke. Everybody's left me. Everybody has abandoned me. And he goes on and speaks about, you know, God, God is with me, and he's going to take me through all the trials that I'm going to go through. But um, he says, Paul thinking, you know, remember the time. Remember the time. What's going on here? There's intense persecution that's going on with the Christians. So anybody that wanted to come visit Paul, guess what? Their name was probably going to be on the list. Oh, this is a guy. This is a Christian, too. They're kind of, and Paul saying, don't be ashamed of the testimony. The testimony of the Lord is, I'm in prison for what? For doing exactly what God called me to do. Don't be ashamed of that. Don't be ashamed of your, your testimony as well, Timothy. He says, I'm a prisoner, but that's, that's where God has me. That's what God has for my life at this point in time. And share with me, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. So this idea of suffering, he's reminded Timothy. Timothy already knew that. There, he, he had been part of the church there in Ephesus. He knew that there was suffering, there was persecution. But he's, he needs to be reminded. He needs to stir up. It's, you know, I think, you know, remember, Timothy is much younger than Paul. So I think there's that idea that, you know, he, he, he was battling. He was battling his flesh. And, and Paul, being a much older and wiser man who had been through many trials and tribulations, trying to encourage Timothy, trying to encourage him, hey, this is, this is what you do. This is what you do, my beloved son. Stay close to the God. Stay close to the Lord. Remember that the Holy Spirit, you have power in the Holy Spirit. Rely upon God. Don't rely upon your own resources. Rely upon the Lord when things come against you, and they will come against you. And notice what he says here in 9. Uh, this is a couple things we need to be reminded of. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. So what has God done for us? He has saved us. He has called us. And this calling is a holy, a holy calling it has nothing to do with our works. It never did, and it never will. It has nothing to do with your works. God has called us out. Why did God call us out? Why are you here tonight? Why did God, why did God call us? Because he did. That's the only explanation I get for it. He just did. He called us. There are many people out there right now that are not sitting here listening to the words of the Bible. They may have many things to do, but we have been called this evening to hear what God would speak to us. We have been called. God has saved us. Boy, that's the most important. That's, think about that. I mean, that's probably a teaching right there. God has saved us. Man. And this is, this is what Paul's saying. I, no matter what happens to me, I'm saved, Timothy. I, I'm, I'm going to be with the Lord. This is what I've been waiting all my whole life, to go be with the Lord. God is gracious. He called us. And I, we know that it's not according to works. But notice what he says here. But according to his own purpose and grace. It was according to God. God has a purpose. That's what I, I get back to this thing. As Paul's role as an apostle, and he's going to complain that he's a teacher, uh, a teacher and a preacher also besides the apostle. But it says according to his own purpose. God has a purpose. God has a purpose for our life. And man, the sooner we can grab a hold of that and really pursue that, Boy, what a, what a wonderful ride that is. And, and I know we all stumble. You know, it's just part of the nature of us, our human flesh nature. But when we, God has a purpose for us, and we begin to identify what that purpose is, we know I mean, sharing the, the love of God with others, obviously, and, and bringing the gospel message. Only God can save them. We can't, but we can bring the message. But there's a purpose. God has a purpose for our lives. Man, did you ever think about before you were born again, did you ever think about, did you had a purpose? And if you did, you probably thought the purpose was to make a lot of money, you know, have a great, wonderful house or, um, you know, to, to live the, the, the wonderful life. You know, I mean, we pursue things before we're born again that are all flesh. It's all flesh. And, and what, you know, those things are all going to burn up in the end. How much I, how much time I wasted 
uh, prior to, because I was saved as a young man, but I, I backslid for many years. Uh, how much time I wasted, man, I wish I could have that time back, but you can't get that time back. So what do we do? We, we go with what we have, right? We, have, we go with the moment. We go with what we have today, right? But I tell you what, there's, there's time, man. I was not serving the Lord. I was a backslidden Christian, and, but God had a purpose for my life. And um, I try to, I, 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 I guess I, I, I would like to be like Paul. I'd like to be really, um, stir, up, stir up the flame, you know, stir up that fire. And sometimes I'm kind of like, yeah. Then I realize, oh God, you're so gracious. You're so patient, you're so loving. My God, where would I be without that grace, mercy, and patience of God? And he has called me, and, and let me encourage you guys. Man, let me encourage you. God has a purpose for you. That's just part of the thing. I, I think, you know, as I've read, prepared this thing, began to, you know, Monday night. I've been going through Second Timothy in my morning devotion. That's why I went to Second Timothy. And I think about, man, God, there's, there's, this, there's this church family love that we have for one another, and there's this purpose that you have for us. And let me encourage people tonight about that. Let me encourage you tonight about that. God has us, we have a spiritual family. You know. It's a wonderful thing to be a part of. But God has a purpose for our lives. And uh, I, know, I know that you know that. But let me encourage you this evening, man. God has a purpose for our lives. And as we fulfill that purpose, what joy there is. There is joy that just overflows with us when we're fulfilling the purpose that God has for our lives. And notice what he says there. He says, uh, continuing in, in verse 9, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. That's another interesting fact. It came through Jesus Christ. Let me go to the 10 because it, it applies right to 9 as well. But it's now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So Jesus Christ saves us. But this was the idea that it, it was before time began. It was before time began. Time is just here, right? I mean, there's, there's eternity out here. There's, there's, there's no time, right? The time is right here. And we're in this, this thing called time. And you think about that. Think about this, guys. I, I love to think about things like this. Here we are. What is it? Uh, June 9th. Oh, my, son, my son-in-law's birthday. I should know that. It's June 9th, 8.15 Pacific time. And where are we? We're here with one another. God knew this before time began. That just that just amazes me. And this is good, though, right? This is good because we could be out there doing something else, but this is where our joy is fulfilled. So before time began, what a great and wonderful thing. When time began, God thought about us, knew that he had a purpose for us, and that we would fulfill that purpose as we go along in our life. And it's through Jesus Christ. You know, the revelation came in verse 10. He's talking about the revelation. And, you know, the Old Testament, you read about this, you know, but we they had no idea until they knew about it, but they didn't get to see it until Jesus was born again. I mean, he's not born again. <laughs> Jesus wasn't born again. Let me make that clear. <laughs> Jesus was born. He was revealed as Savior. And what did he do? He abolished death. Death for us as Christians, we're not to fear that. What is death to us? Death is just the opening of the door to our eternal life. To the non-Christian, very serious. But to us as Christians, death is nothing to fear. It's the opening of the door as we step into eternity. Jesus did that when he was resurrected. He abolished death. And what did he do? He says that he brought life. That's eternal life. We have the eternal life. We have eternal life with him, not eternal life in hell. And immortality to light through the gospel. There it is, it's through the gospel. It is through the gospel. The gospel is good news. What was the gospel? Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. He died, resurrected. That's how he saved me and my sins. So the gospel message is there. And that's an amazing thing. And then 11, he goes, to which, Paul speaking again here, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. A preacher he obviously was, remember he went to all the, uh, other temples, you know, to the, the Jewish temples, and he taught the word. He went in there, taught the word, and he got thrown out, probably many of them. But that's his preacher. He's preaching sermons there. The apostle part really is uh, being sent out. We know that word means to be sent out. As he sent out, what did he do? He established churches. He, he founded churches, and that began to grow. And notice what it says, a teacher to the Gentiles. 
You know, that was one of his purposes too, was to be specifically called to the Gentiles, to bring the Gentiles into repentance or salvation as well. So he's a teacher to the Gentiles. Now in verse 12, he says, for this reason, I also suffer these things. Remember, he's in prison and he's in prison for doing these things. This is a great thing. I mean, it, it sounds crazy, but it's a great thing. He said, I suffer for doing these things, but I'm not ashamed. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded, that means confident, that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. This is this is great stuff, guys. This is great stuff, right? I, I Paul says, I am. I know whom I have believed. I know, I, guys. How do you know that you're saved, right? I mean, you 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 had the experience. Maybe you confessed. You got baptized. But you know that thing that says, I know that I know that I know. There's nothing that anybody tries to convince you that this this thing is not true. This, this thing is true. There's such a thing as Jesus Christ. There's such a thing as salvation. There's such a thing as a resurrected Lord. And there's such a thing as heaven and hell. And I know that I'm saved. This this is like, I like, you know, this is like, yeah, you can't change it. You know, no matter if Paul's getting ready to be executed, man, he's getting ready to get his head lopped off. I'm persuaded of who I believe. If I had to do it all over again, I'd do it. And I'd probably do it with more zeal. But he says, I am, I know who I believe. And guys, we know whom we have believed. I know you know whom you have believed. It's right here. It's the word of God. And it's Jesus because it brings us to him. And he says that I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. But what did Paul commit to him? Well, you know, Paul obviously committed his life, but I mean, what were all the things that he committed to, to the Lord? He committed his whole life, and that's what we should be doing, is commit our life to the Lord. And that uh, until that day, and, and that you see that in your in your Bible, it says that day, of course, the day is capitalized. That day is what? The day that we are, we are, we are either the Lord comes back and we're raptured out of here, or that day is the day that we die and we go, we open that door open. You know, I used to think about this too. I thought a lot about this, actually. Um, where, uh, I don't know if it speaks about in the Bible, I kind of think it does, where angels come down and escort us into the presence of the Lord. I think this, that day, the day that God calls us home, the door opens, man, and these angels will come and grab us. That may just be uh, Max speaking, okay? So don't quote me on that. But no matter, no matter what, I know I'll be in the presence of the Lord. I'm persuaded, just as you are, confident that I would be in the presence of the Lord on that day, the day that I die. You don't like saying die. It's like, really, that's when we begin to live, isn't it? <laughs> that's when we really begin to live. But they are the day that maybe Christ returns in our lifetime. Maybe our, well, the rapture happens, I should say, in our life. Maybe the rapture happens in our lifetime. We don't know. But that day is coming. That, that's the one thing we do know, that day is coming. We either going to die and be with the Lord, or the rapture will happen. We'll go with him then. What a wonderful thing! And Paul, I think Paul is—he's kind of excited about this. I think. Now, in thirteen, there's something that happens that I, when he speaks to Timothy, he says, "Hold fast the pattern of sound words, which you have heard from me, in faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus." So, <clears throat> this idea—he says, "Hold fast." This idea of holding on to something. But this idea of holding on to something, that means that something can be taken away, right? And I'm not talking about salvation here. I'm talking about he's talking, hold on fast to that pattern of sound word. Well, that, that's the doctrine. That's the doctrine. He's talking to Timothy. He says, this is what you've heard. This is the template that you've seen. You've seen me live my life, Timothy. You've seen what I've gone through. You've seen me preach, and you've seen me teach, and you've seen me stoned, and you've seen me whipped and beat and all this stuff. He says, hold fast to the pattern of sound word. Don't, don't go, don't drift away from the gospel message. You can't improve the gospel message. It is the gospel message. Don't add to it. Don't stray from it. Hold on to it. Now, what, what does he say? Hold on. Hold fast. I mean, really, to take hold of that. And there's a pattern. He's talking about a pattern. And that would have been a life that I think that Paul had a, a, a exemplified a, to Timothy. It been somewhat of a, 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 a blueprint or a template of how this is to happen, this church thing is to happen in preaching of the God's word that says, that which you have heard from me in faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. And he's speaking about this love that's in Christ Jesus. So this idea, now think about this guy, hold fast to the doctrine. How, think about this guys, really. 
Think about all the churches that are not holding fast to the sound doctrine of biblical teaching. I think it's all over out there. You know, Paul's going to speak about that in, in uh, chapter 3 to, to Timothy. He's going to talk about, you know, having a form of godliness but having no knowledge of it. So we know, we know today that there are churches that are speaking a false gospel. They have fallen away. They have not held fast, so hold fast. So he's telling Timothy, you got to hold fast, Timothy. And anything else, you got to hold fast to this sound doctrine. This is the most important thing. Don't let that go. Don't drift from the sound doctrine. And verse, verse 14, it says, that good thing, that good thing is a gospel which was committed to you Keep by the Holy Spirit which dwells in you. And here's how here's how you're gonna not here's how you're gonna be able to hold fast is listen to the Holy Spirit that dwells in you. The Holy Spirit is gonna help you to hold fast. Encouragement to us as well as to you people, right? We got the Holy Spirit in us. We need to read the word of God and we need to hold fast to what this says. We need not drift away. This is the other thing that I love about our spiritual family. You know, I think about what, what Paul is going as he goes through uh 2 Timothy. Some of the things he tells them, you know, the characteristic qualities of a, a minister and, and the persecution that's going to happen and not to avoid errors, it's false doctrine. But he talked about train up others to to speak the same things, to speak the same thing. This happens in this church, guys. We don't, this happens in this church. And I think about Doug does his discipleship class. That's a wonderful thing, man. Men are being taught the Word of God, and then we have the women's Bible study and other Bible studies. But this is happening. It, it, the the Word of God is being handled correctly, and it's being done here. These things that I look at in Second Timothy, they're being done here, and that's what excites me too about my spiritual family. Um, so we we keep it by the Holy Spirit; it dwells in us. That's the, the important fact that it dwells in us. And he says, "This you know." that all those in Asia have turned away from me, among whom are by jealous and homogenous, <laughs> I don't know how to say those names. They <clears throat> says that everybody in Asia, Paul was over in Asia at the time they arrested him and took him to Rome, said they've all left me. They were afraid. They were afraid of the, the persecution, the suffering that was going on. They've left me. Um, this, is a, this is, I was reading about this and it was like, these two guys, by jealous and her homogenies. <clears throat> this is the only time that you read about them in the Bible, right here. No other, no, nowhere, else, nowhere else in the Bible. And I was thinking, well, what a horrible thing. If my name was in the Bible, I'd want it. That'd be great to get your name in the Bible, but whoa, it's it's in there because I was unfaithful. Oh no, that, that's not good. No, but these guys were unfaithful to Paul, and he knew it, and he was warning Timothy about them. And then he speaks about this one who was faithful. And this is verse 16. The Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. But when he arrived in Rome, he sought me out very zealously and found me. So this is a great thing. Think about this guy. What a wonderful thing here. First of all, what did, he sought him out zealously. He, was going to, he wasn't ashamed. He was seeking out Paul. He wanted to be with Paul. He wanted to encourage Paul. He wasn't ashamed of his chains. Notice what he says. He refreshed me. The fellowship of Onesiphorus refreshed Paul. Okay, guys, here's what I say. We as a spiritual family, how many times have you been refreshed from some brother or sister in the congregation? I can tell you many times that I have been refreshed for brothers and sisters in the congregation. That's a good thing. That's our spiritual family. It's a good thing for us to refresh one another. And I like what he says there. He says, he says that, I, that he was not ashamed of my chain. Of course, Paul was speaking about being chained in the dungeon, but he wasn't ashamed. And, and <clears throat> I was reading um, one commentary that a guy was talking about that this ashamed of, uh, ashamed of the chains. Think about, you know, the chain could be any kind of thing that may drag us down as brothers and sisters in Christ. Maybe there's some sin that we're dealing with. And, you know, maybe it comes to surface. And so people should pray about them to come to gather around and, and pray for one another. And, you know, the, the confession that needs to happen. So, the, you know, when, if, if, we're in, if we're in a spiritual family and somebody falls, we shouldn't be ashamed of them. We should be encouraging them. We should go up and, you know, pray for them and, and encourage them. So I think this is an idea here that we should not be ashamed of, of one another as brothers in Christ. And, 
we, we don't live up to our full potential, full potential in Jesus. I'll be the first to admit that. And, and if you can admit it, then praise the Lord. But we don't, we don't, <clears throat> we all struggle in our spiritual world. But man, does God just use his Holy Spirit to help us and God uses us one another to encourage and refresh one another. So <clears throat> try to finish this up here. And he's, I like this idea that he sought me out very zealously and found he found me. And 18, he says, the Lord grant to him that he may find mercy in the Lord in that day. Again, that day, and you know very well how many ways he ministered to me at Ephesus. So Paul's encouraging Timothy to remind, look, there are some people that just don't want to follow the program. There are some people that rather serve their flesh than serve God. And you're going to encounter that in the church, Paul, on Timothy. Beware. And as he goes into chapter 2, he tells him, you, you prepare yourself like a soldier who's going to battle or like an athlete to obey the rules or a farmer who has to wait for the crops. Encourage you, prepare yourself for the persecution and the suffering that's going to happen. But all in all, I think what Paul is saying, all in all, Timothy, guess what, man? All in all, it's going to end one day, that day, we will be together in heaven. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Uh, it's 830, so does anybody have a prayer request? Or we can pray. I, anybody have a prayer request? Yeah. Oh, that, Terry's having a, a medical procedure tomorrow. Yeah. Let me pray for him, and then that will close. Father, we do pray for our brother. Speak about <clears throat> family members. Lord, Terry has certainly been a family of this church for many years, Lord. We pray for our brother this evening as um, he prepares for this medical uh, procedure tomorrow. We ask for grace and mercy. We ask for everything would go well. We pray for a calmness. I know he's very concerned about this. I pray for your calmness and peace over Terry right now, Jesus. Um, let him know that we're praying about him and we love him. And Father, we look forward to seeing him uh, hopefully on Sunday and everything has gone well. But we just want to give you thanks tonight for your encouragement to us. We thank you for this letter of Second Timothy, Lord. We we are preparing our, our hearts, Lord, for that day, that day that you return, Lord, or you call us home. Uh, we have that hope, Lord. We have that hope. And may you, may we encourage one another. We thank you that you you advise us, Lord. You, you bring uh, confidence in our hearts, Lord, that we should not be ashamed of you or and that we are uh, to be refreshed by you and your Holy Spirit and be refreshed by one another. Lord, thank you for the spiritual family that we have. It's important, Lord. It's so important to me, and I thank you for it, Father. Bless my brothers and sisters, Lord. And as I, as I travel next week, Lord, I, I look forward to seeing them in a month from now, Lord, and to be filled with joy seeing them, Lord. Just thank you again for your love, your patience, and your mercy in our lives, God. We give all these things to you, and we ask it in your holy and precious name. And everybody said, Amen.